It is episode 116. Today we discuss directory services and management with our guest today, Paul Gunderson. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is IT Pro Tech Talks. In the studio, in our title, as I mentioned, we got Paul. How are you doing today, Paul? Hey, good, Michael. Nice to catch up again. It's been yeah, a while. Absolutely. It's been a while. Um, so, you know, we got an exciting topic to, to go through today. Um, and, and again, you know, for, for full transparency, uh, this is a, a product that, you know, you and I have linked together through the day job that we have with our, our key sponsor, Solutions for Networks. So for full transparency, um, you know, this is something that we found and we or actually was approached by you, Paul, to say, hey, we know if you're in this space. Check this out. And uh, I, I will say I was everything short of massively impressed on, on what uh, the tool is and what it can do. So uh, I thought that it would be good to just talk as technologists and and practitioners and specialists, uh, you and I, to just kind of talk through the tool and and you know see if our our audience can relate to it. Now you know typically you know how like on TV shows, Paul, you got that TV uh, fourteen or for all. So I like to try to like preface this because some we have business side users that listen to this, and then we have technical users that listen to this. Got I think it. there's a case for this tool for both sets of users to listen to this. Mm -hmm. So if you are one of my business listeners that listen regularly, don't dip out if we start getting uh, a little bit into the weeds here because there are some things around the e economics of place a process and a tool in place that still might be beneficial for you to have that messaging. Yeah, Would you agree with that, Paul? Stay, we, we won't stay there long. If we stay in the <laughs> tech talk, we'll, we'll get off to the business side and, and I think satisfy everyone. Yep, absolutely. So this is the first time you've been on uh, any of the shows that I have. So, uh, you know, we do this little thing of getting to know you. Um, you know, if I had the the budget to license that song that is on all the commercials, I, I'd have that play now, but mm -hmm. I don't want any takedown. So we'll just we'll just let our audience use their, their memory. So um, so to get to know you a little bit, you know, kind of as I know you, I'm going to ask you some questions. You don't know I do this. I never tell anybody as a first guest that I do this. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for what, what you've been up to uh, in, in how you work. So what was the last book you read? Last book that I read. Let me think about that. I'm reading. Oh, this is a good one. Very controversial. Reading a book on the January 6th um, situation in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Okay. I cool. wanted to understand the facts as they were presented by the Senate okay. and the hearing committee. And so that is the book I've been reading lately. Oh, awesome. Last uh, song you listened to either on your playlist on your phone or in the car. Oh, it would have to be like James Taylor or no, no. Billy Joel, She's Got Away. Okay. That's a good yeah. one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah. could play uh, one instrument uh, to at masterpiece to like you are Harold as that, what is that instrument for you? Well, it would have to be, my friend, piano. Yep. <laughs> I kind of knew that. <laughs> okay. A little sidebar there, but I'm, yep. a, I'm an avid jazz and classical pianist and okay. uh, taken lessons for years. That's, that's fantastic. Um, what is something that people know you would be surprised that you, uh, something that you like or something about you that even people that know you would be shocked if you were to say, hey, well, I'll give you two quickies. One is that I played guitar with Garth Brooks before he was famous. Oh, and really? Most people don't know that. When he was at Oklahoma State throwing javelins, uh, okay. I played with him one time. And the second is that I have a second degree black belt in karate. And oh. most people don't believe that because I'm such a kind of even toned 
person. Yep. Um, but my son got caught up, up into karate. And when he did as a kid, I thought, well, why sit on the bench? And so I stuck with it. And I found it very interesting to think about how many ways we can block a straight right punch. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so, so both of my children are both black belts and I did not follow your lead there. Uh, I did do some you know, uh, exercise style, martial arts and different things when I was traveling a lot just to try to stay loose, but I'm not a black belt. No. Nope. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's dive into our core topic, right? So uh, we, we've mentioned about, uh, you know, directory management uh, and that's kind of, that's a really broad topic. Well, let, let's kind of narrow it into handling how a lot of compliance and governance or even security teams talk about like role-based access controls. And in practicality, uh, they are difficult to define, uh, even more difficult to implement. And then there is the uh, troubleshooting of challenges with the practicality around certain role-based access controls. So enter in the tool that uh, we want to talk about today. So do you want to give, give a quick overview of of name, rank, and serial number of the tool and uh, give a general broad stripe, and then we'll dive in. Sure, well, the name of the tool is called Security 4X, S4X for short. It was developed, early development occurred in the 2005 to 2012 timeframe when I had a company and I ended up selling it to an outfit in Canada called Attain Insight that I work with right now. And it, it, it came out of the pain that, uh, a BI tool, Cognos customers had in terms of implementing data and content security into their down into their OLAP cubes across the relational world and into the portals. And it has been expanded now to address the names the directory management security into Google, Okta, Active Directory, uh, and so on, um, eDirectory, Apache. So for clients who have one or more of those environments and they need a way to streamline their process, uh, it's a fantastic, it, streamline their process, really have control, maybe delegate access to certain aspects of what IT does to the business. It brings some absolutely substantial benefits to them from those standpoints, but it's called S4X. And it has been out there for a while, and we're going through a large sales and marketing campaign now that I've joined up with uh, my, in my old stomping grounds. <laughs> so I'm a former developer, but you know I put on the business hat all the time, and Michael and I have had a great relationship over the past couple of years. So it's kind of time, you know. I'm glad we're having this meeting yeah. now. It's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, meetup of the you know the core things that that I have done in history and in you as well. So you know that's why when you reached out to me and you showed it to me and I was like, I kind of really wish I had this in my previous. <laughs> and we we were talking during pregame, uh, you know, and I'll and I'll I'll bring this up later, but it's it it is truly an easy button for certain things, right? Well, it can actually it can actually make implementing role based access controls fun. If yeah. you want to think, I mean, can, can that be fun? Yes, it can. It can be easy. It can be push button as Michael's talking about. So we'll get to it. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So, you know, so we don't uh, uh, kind of mislead the concept here. So a lot of organizations here, okay, directory services, uh, you know, we have, you had mentioned Okta, uh, you know, there, 
Domino, Apache. I'm looking through the list here. Google Identity, Active Directory. Uh, so some organizations might be like, oh, this is for just like the Fortune 10 companies. Uh, but in reality, it's not. It, it's, you know, based upon certain needs of an organization as opposed to the volume and size of an organization. Would you agree with that characterization? I would. And I think it, the technology can be applied to really any size, but medium and larger size companies are really the sweet spot of the companies that come to us to use it. Uh, if you're over 500 users, that's the, probably the low end of where we start. Um, but definitely the, the medium large enterprise space is, is a fantastic place to start with this tool. For sure. For sure. So, you know, thinking of, again, directory services, just to kind of frame that. So like we've all heard of Active Directory, you know, we've heard of Okta, um, but it doesn't stop there. So managing where, uh, you know, a user is inside of your directory services means the world to what they have access to, right? So. Correct. And, and this is the two important distinctions to be made in this conversation is that there is the authorization side of getting into access and then access controls. And then there is the, the, uh, there's the authentication side and there's the authorization side. So what we're concerned about is authorization. We're presuming that by the time people come to us and use our tool, that Active Directory has authenticated them with whatever two-factor authentication, you know, as an example, and that now it's, I need access to certain resources, folders, applications and so on, firewalls, VPNs. I have to get through them to, to gain access. Those are the types of areas where we start to play in in terms of the authorization side of the equation. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, if I put on my Wayback hat, um, you know, when we onboarded, you know, an individual, we would have to say, okay, what is their profile? And then we would say, okay, Correct. you need VPN access, make sure they have that security group at, oh, you are an accounting user, make sure they have that you, that added to it. You had mentioned some other things. Uh, you'd mentioned file shares and, you know, con access to content. Um, can you expand on how that could be? Um, kind of like version controlled, if you will? Well, sure. So let's just take something like uh, file shares uh, or access to like a Power BI application. So within file shares, if I have a series of folders, typically we can apply a security group to that folder and make a connection to that folder. And now to provide someone with access, we, we grant them access to the group that connects to that folder. So the same is true in sort of Power BI inside of the Power BI portal where you would be setting up access to resources. If the group can exist in an external directory server, then it allows the LDAP teams to take over the management of the user to group assignment. And it takes it, uh, it, it also allows you to take advantage of single sign-on, which everybody wants. And, and the same is true when we sort of push into applications like SAP or Workday, those types of things. And in those applications, they have an ability to link in a directory server into their role-based access. And so a tool like this is going to sort of overlay across all of your areas so that you can insulate the directory server from people going into it. And why do you want to have so many hands in the cookie jar, if you will? And then it allows for automation to assure that transactions occur 
routinely and correctly and that they are logged and that you have audit reports. I mean, those are the types of things that this product will bring to organizations. Does that sort of get at your question? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> now, one of the things I thought was uh, brilliant was the, ab the, the ability to enable people to help you know, maintain certain aspects of, you know, infrastructure, which was normally done by, you know, security teams or by HR. Uh, but if you have this proven system that is vetted out in, in say these groups, these users get this type of access. Um, can you talk a little bit about how we can enable say the workforce to help with giving access to those who are allowed to have that access to granting uh, the ability to get to and from uh, different groups and management of that? Sure. It comes down to two different aspects of management. One is very IT driven and the other is business driven. So on the IT side of the house, what we want to do is begin to start forming policies. What is a policy? A policy says that if I, as an IT team, we're responsible for providing access to folders and VPNs and databases and Power BI and so on, there are a series of groups that we know about related to those each of those different resources and functional areas. So what we want to do is say, if I have an HR executive, then what exactly of all of those different groups that exist do they need? And we create a policy. We put a name on it, right? Mm -hmm. So now the second, and we do that. And so there's an exercise inside of IT to set up these policies, which is really important to establishing a foundation, and it will save you time in the end. Then the second part is now, how can we offload IT of this administrative ability? If you think about the last 30 years, right, what has happened is you submit a ticket, Someone receives that ticket, they triage it, they go, okay, well, there are four different people who need to take responsibility for different line items on this ticket, if you will. They send it out. Those people start corresponding and say, well, there's some information here that's not quite right. And you get into this cycle that's very difficult, right? To, mm -hmm. And it takes time. And you go back to the end user or the person who submitted the request and say, we need more information and it can be very frustrating. So what does the next 30 years look like in terms of the end user side of this? Well, there are people in the business who understand the moves, ads and changes that are occurring before a ticket is ever submitted. I know that this person is onboarding, that person is offboarding and there are role changes happening in the middle if I'm an administrative person in the business side. So what we do is we provide a tool called Web Grant that allows that business administrator to say, I'm going to make an assignment to my HR user Asia policy, that that policy has 10 different groups in it. And there are 10 people who need access to that policy. So there are really a hundred different active actions that have to be taken to get all of the members right in all of the groups. So all that they know at the business side is they make this assignment of Paul is allowed to see HR Asia. <laughs> the app then has a connector into each of these different downstream directory services, which will then take care of the housekeeping. And the beauty of it is that later on, a year out or three months out, if you change the policy because you realize, oh, we have some new things, we're going to delete some old things from the policy, all of that housekeeping is taken care of as well as well as the logging, all of your security audit reports are fully maintained. So 
the next 30 years, if we think about how we did it the last 30 years with submit the ticket and then the flurry of emails, this transitions to a much more semi-automated bot-driven process that has instant logging and it, it gives you instant compliance reporting across all of your servers, not just the one you're working on. It can really connect out to anything. Yeah. If you're in a hybrid environment, it's even more complicated than that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Long answer, Absolutely. But, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on there, Michael. That's, that's really worth talking about. And, the, and there is, and, you know, uh, kind of, you know, taking, taking the agenda that we have and going a bit out of order, you know, this stuff comes at a, at a cost because, you know, there, there's, there's a, a cost and an opportunity cost the way I look at it. Right. So mm-hmm. you can continue to, you know, have, unregulated or unversion controlled uh, systems that have, you know, scripts here and scripts there. And maybe we have a checklist over here that gets looked over once a week, or you can have this policy-based system, but in order to implement that, that is a, a big, big, big deal, right? So how does the numbers look to say, Hey, this is valuable to my organization? Well, let me just come at first of all the cost today. It's a good. It's a good start. That's a good point. way to look at it. Yeah. For most organizations, <laughs> in terms of like, let's just take an organization that has ten thousand employees. It's a nice round number, and you mm-hmm. can then multiply off <laughs> of it for your organization. Yep. So, if your organization is that size, the average turnover rate, meaning onboarding, offboarding, and then role changes that occur throughout the year, that represents about 30%. It's an industry number that's, that's out there. Yep. If you have any reason, so imagine that's 3,000 tickets right off the bat that you have something to do with a move ad or a change in a directory server. Now, there's probably some rework as well. So let's say that's 25% because something always goes wrong. There's always some adjustment that has to be made. So those 3,000 tickets become... 3,700 tickets, roughly. (laughs) Now, if there are four actions per ticket, now we're at like 15,000 actions that have to be taken to tick and cross off every task that was required, right? Now, if we apply a labor rate and a time to address each action, like 15 minutes to do each one, and then put a labor rate of $80 an hour on it, you're at $300,000 to support those 10,000 people. And in, in large or larger organizations, it's going to be much larger. So with Security Forex, what it will do is change that equation dramatically because your rework factor is going to be less. The time to change to implement each ticket is going to be dramatically less to where we would see that as being reduced by 60 to 90 percent in most cases. So that $300,000 total, which is a cost per ticket of $80 a ticket, goes down to maybe 40000 or 50000 So it's very dramatically reduced in terms of the, the blue dollars that you're spending internally, if you will. You know, people may not think of it as I'm spending money, but you're spending money. You're spending and if you can, money. Yeah. If you can take those resources and put them onto something else or have them be more strategic, that's a really big deal to an organization. It frees up your best people. That's the thing. Who knows this stuff? It's your best people who are wrapped up in this uh, process 
And you don't let just the junior guy who just came in the door have full access rights to your active directory, yeah. do you? No, you don't. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing that, that you know, uh, looking at some of the, the numbers that you put out, these are real costs that are being absorbed by organizations. And, and I can tell you that some organizations have tried to use some, you know, automation systems or ticketing systems to try to, you know, achieve this same thing through, you know, like, you know, service now and these different tools that are out there. And when it comes down to it, it's still just the automation of that same old way of, of pushing out scripts and access. It's not taking a different look at it. Like, like this tool does. And I think that's what I, makes me appreciate this tool a lot a lot heavier than, you know, I, I do love AI and speech and, you know, bots to do things for me. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being in a protect, especially a protected industry, healthcare, banking, finance, anybody mm -hmm. that does work for the government, you know, knowing that I have that policy driven, written, bulletproof um, system that has a back end to help check those compliances, uh, compliance requirements, that is something that makes me feel a lot better because, you know, I've sat as a security officer for organizations. I've, I've been, you know, in, you know, I advise companies now on what to do for security and what, what I recommend a, an automated tool for, for something. Sure. But when I, if I'm going to be on the hook, I'm going to want something that's going to be, uh, you know, policy driven, that's going to be near bulletproof. That's going to give me an output, with an easy button, mind you, uh, so I can roll back if I need to. Yeah. Um, it's hard to roll back AI stuff. Uh, it becomes a little bit manual, uh, a lot of bit manual, but having something. But the key thing is, is on the other side of this, you have the audit logs. You have the compliance data that you need to attest that you're doing the right thing by brokering access to certain resources. Uh, so that stands out as, as a big Big, big. Well, and, and Michael, you touched on a really important point that the compliance regulations, whether it's PHI in healthcare, PII, whether we're talking about GPDR uh, in Europe or in Brazil, different places where we've done business, the increasing number of pieces of regulation that companies really have to follow to drive privacy. If you're publicly held, there's cut tight control over numbers before they're released to the public. It, it just goes on and on. And so the need to have a way that's easy and seamless that you can get your people working on is important. Now, one thing we hadn't talked about, I'm just going to throw this in. Some people have come to me and said, well, this should be a pretty easy tool to build. <laughs> right. And my answer to that person is to say, if it were easy, it would have been done a long time ago. This is extraordinarily complex to maintain the access into, like in our tool, we support multiple directory servers. So mm -hmm. to maintain all of that and to go to an organization that maybe they started out, you think Active Directory, you know, it's been around for 20 years, but tools like Okta started in 2009. Google for the first time introduced Google Groups in 2020, right? So when you, so organizations, because of the cloud, especially, but also because of what they're doing on prem, they've got these hybrid environments. So, how do you, in a, there's the one side of managing the day to day, which Michael and I have been talking about so far, but there's a whole other side of, you know, we're having a reorganization or we're introducing a new directory server. And now 
I want the ability to plan out and test a very large scale implementation. How do you do that without tools? How do you truly test and know? How could you do a parallel to make sure that when we hit the off button, that we're not going to be screwed, yeah. <laughs> right? So those are some of the issues that also are part of what this uh, technology brings to the world in terms of the world of access management. No one thought it was so difficult, but there are a lot of pieces to most organizations' puzzle. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the other thing around that is, and I keep going back to the easy button because I, I got to bring it up again, Paul. Cause yeah, well, let's, I, let's spelunk into that a little bit. I think it's a good conversation. Yeah. So you talked about testing and, and that's, this is the perfect segue because, you know, back historically, how many organizations have had a representative active directory environment of their production environment that with systems that mirror that kind of access with the types of shares and groups and services and applications like a full parity so that they can do this test just to see where people would land and how it would work. It just doesn't really happen at that scale. But say you did have that and you rolled through. I didn't have that at scale, but there's been times in my career where we've done uh, some massive amount of changes to directory services and access where you know we've had to redact those changes and we have a whole team of people scrambling around you know changing ous or going into applications and changing our back rules and to make sure that the matrix lines up um, only because there was a, a vendor oversight or maybe somebody who was who wrote the script kind of you know hit the wrong key and charactered it wrong yeah. and put somebody in the wrong groups. And now you're scrambling to, is it longer to rewrite a script to undo that? Or is it quicker to have a team of people swat in and fix your, well, if you had the ability to just say, okay, here's the policies of the way it was before load that up and fix that. That's what this is, right? That's what this is. So the idea is that all of the, let's take, let's kind of unpack this and start with the current configuration. So we're at the beginning of this change road that you're talking about, right? Yep. So the first thing that I want to do is establish a baseline of all current security settings in um, your environments, whatever they are. And like, we're talking about hybrid, we're talking about distributed, we're talking about regional. Those are the pieces that, well, yikes, how do I do that? So with S4X, what we would do is take an extract, pull all of those settings, all of the groups, all of the memberships, wherever they are in the world, into a centralized database so that you have a solid baseline. Now, if you will, it's a little bit, uh, we can play it back if you want to think about it that way. We can take those transactions and generate the script that will push them back in to all of those environments. So if you needed to completely wipe away, rebuild, migrate security from one geography, platform, or even tier, dev to QA to prod, you know, those types of things, that's what this tool will help you with way beyond the day-to-day -day management. So, and it has full logging and reporting of mass changes, but also if someone changes a policy, like Michael, you come in in three weeks and you go back and you change my HR policy that I was talking about before, we're going to log that. We're going to know which administrator changed the policy and when, and you'll have simultaneous maintenance of corporate audit standards along the way. So it's a very significant bit to be able to 
do this. And, you know, you said, hey, I've been in situations where, and it can be very breathtaking as someone who's got the responsibility to implement a large program to do this. Mm -hmm. So we've had customers come back to us when some and not what they thought was innocuous, single security change or was made or a combination of changes made in their environment that kind of like knocked everybody out. Mm-hmm. And they've been able to take this tool because they had it in place before and then play back, push all of the existing security back into where it was. So they're back, they're back to a good baseline. And if you think about the other side of that, like how would you do that otherwise without a tool like this? Well, it actually means you'd need to have simultaneous backups of all of your directory services, wherever they are in the world and whatever whatever flavor of those directory services that exist. No one really does that. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I can't can't I can I can count on my hand. I can't count on my hands how many times somebody had a Active Directory domain controller sitting on VMware and they were going to make a change and they did a snapshot. Right. Things didn't go right. So then they restored the snapshot. Next thing you know, Active Directory is a mess. It's a holy mess. And there were other changes. There were other changes that were made after the snap that got lost forever, right? Maybe they didn't, but like unraveling those changes that happened post snap is very, very difficult to do. I mean, where are they captured? Maybe in an audit log somewhere, but then to get them all re-implemented across a complex environment is very hard to do. And, you, and you, what winds up happening is we have to take a, a full backup and have to do an administrative restore of Active Directory. Anytime you try to reapply those kind of snaps, it just blows everything up. And right. to your point, you know, next thing you know, we're doing like, we're going to like our old backups and saying, okay, which one had system state? Okay, all domain controllers off. Let's restore an administrative restore of Active Directory and then see where we're at like you said replay things through that we so need to have let me let me um, save the world there right <laughs> let me take my tech hat off for a minute put my business hat back on right we said sure. we do that so we might as well <laughs> from a business side what's what is the impact of this this mass change that that michael and i are talking about from a business perspective there are certain strategic imperatives that every organization has to achieve they all they always have a timeline. It's within the context of a three to five year plan that you're trying to achieve certain particular objectives. And when let's say an organization reorganizes or go look at like Facebook right now, Meta, they're getting rid of all of these people, right? They, and they're going to reorganize. So that means a, a landscape, a tectonic shift, if you will, in what's happening foundationally in the organization. So the ability to play this out, to say, to meet with the business people and say, now, how do you want this structured? Because how you structure the business has a lot to do with how we're going to set up groups about where we're going to place servers, about who belongs to those groups and kind of the remap of here was the old org structure and here's the new structure. So even though we're kind of talking techie about mass change, there's a very real impact at a business layer to timeline, to budget around being able to implement these kinds of changes that we're talking about that, a, you know, that a tool can really help you to do to yeah. implement. 
time is valuable. And you, you mentioned earlier in, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the cloud adoption or cloud improvement programs that we do uh, for the day job. One of the things we talk about is it's like, we're not putting these tools in place to, to say, okay, shed workforce. We're putting these tools in place so you can use your workforce smarter. Right. And if, like you mentioned earlier, it's like, right. would you rather manage a process and then innovate for your business to become more valuable moving downstream? Or would you rather push tickets for access control all day long? You know, well, and, and who do you want to be, you know, the challenge with access control in its current state, like the last 30 year state that I'm talking about is that it takes up a disproportionate amount of time of your best, people. <laughs> the people who you want to be thinking strategically get caught up in access controls because there's just no other way. And because you can't have everybody going into a directory server and making direct changes. And Michael, doesn't this happen a lot more than, I mean, you're really into it at, a, at a, like, if I'm into it this deep, you're into it this deep, right? <laughs> yeah. So when you go to organizations, you really experience and see how people are impacted, the, the people who really know this and the, you don't want juniors going into your directory server. It's a very limited set of people, but, but sometimes you have business people going into active directory, right? Yep. You seen that? Yeah. yeah. You don't, don't want that, but it happens, right? <laughs> right. So this, this begins to provide some insulation that I think organizations really need to have around insulating the directory server so that fewer people can have direct access. It opens the door to plan and test out large mass changes. This whole the idea of smart, I call them smart policies, just to give it a, a, a moniker, but the idea that I can really say, here's a policy for that audience, and these are the resources that they get access to. We can delegate portions of this. I mean, there's a, there's a, you can imagine like making this happen. There's a large ecosystem that brings it all together. But these are some of the challenges that we've identified as we've researched this process, as we've worked with medium and large companies around the world who are struggling with maintaining audit standards and implementing new technologies. So I, you know, certainly appreciate you bringing me in. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, is always lingering in the back of my mind is about, you know, compliance and governance and, you know, do you need to be PCI? Do you need, well, there's a lot of controls that are required. Um, and one of the things that's worth mentioning, and, and I'm not sure if, is if even you and I have ever talked about that, this tool solving for cyber insurance requirements, right? So, you know, not as many administrators, that's, you know, one of the cyber insurance requirements, you know, like keep administrators low, role-based access controls, having a policy and a plan, you know, making sure that you're doing reviews of where, what the current state is at regular intervals. Like these are things that are just boxes that you need to check to say you're doing this from from a, a security and best practices perspective to maintain cyber insurance but what's more important is that if you don't actually do these kind of things and you need to actually leverage your cyber cyber insurance and they're going to say show me that you have a system in place that controls your role-based access that you say you have. And if it's some, uh, you know, if it's an intern in the corner that comes in once a year in the summertime and say, Hey, that guy, you know, make sure everybody's in the right groups. 
um, that's not going to cut it from, uh, you know, getting, you know, the, the compensation mm. you need to get back on business rails. Um, so, you know, well, that goes into business continuity, right? Yeah, that's huge. And you bring up a really important issue around legality. Think about an MSP, right? Mm. MSPs go out there, they sell a piece of business and they check the box and say, yes, we will. And they sign up and say, we will ensure that you make meet your regulatory compliance issues. And then what happens is elf in the engine room, they scramble to bring <laughs> this together. And it's, and yep. if you have to redo it, uh, you know, like quarterly, you want to be able to provide reports on these yep. types of issues. It's very, very challenging for them. So MSPs, there's a, there's a great market for MSPs who are delivering advisory services to businesses to say, we'll manage your security, right? Yep. And the second point I wanted to mention to you, which is really important, is license compliance, because you brought up the legal word. Yep. Well, from a license compliance standpoint, this is also used because many times the administrator who makes the assignment to a particular capability or feature in a software has no earthly idea of the liability that they can create for a company if they then are non-compliant. So we see companies that are audited by the big companies all the time, you know, the IBMs of the world, the Microsofts, the Cisco's, Citrix's, and companies really struggle with maintaining proper license records. And that comes down to, if you think about what we're talking about, Mike and I are talking sort of about role-based access controls, but what if you thought about licensing, we're going to have a way to ensure that people are provided with valid licenses and we can monitor and audit it. We know exactly where we are at any point in time. And here's the big one. Then only licensed users are actually able to access the apps, right? You want to take this massive user community, narrow it down to the licensed users, and then take that subset of people. And now I can only make assignments against the licensed users in your community. Really big deal. Sounds like it should be just so simple, right? Not so much. But with <laughs> our product, we have the ability to implement license roles, which are mutually exclusive from one another. We have templates for all of that stuff. And it'll vary from one product to another. But nonetheless, um, it's another area of legality that can be, I mean, how would you like to be faced with a multi-million dollar settlement from pick whatever company? You know, these companies are out for blood. They want their money. They've earned it. And they have licensing. Well, they have ways to audit your environment. And, you know, it's, it's, it's us versus them when it gets to that point. <laughs> and from the, from the idea, you, the example you gave a second ago, in terms of when you sign up to provide certain compliance reports, you better be able to provide them. It's, and it can be very difficult to pull it together. Yeah, Not really it, an answer, but thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, you mentioned the multi-zero dollars in, in penalties, fines, or settlements, um, and it, it, that's real. And to and you mentioned that like they've earned it because you've used it, you've enabled. It, it's you know so much easier to say, oh, give everybody the access, boom, down the line. But there is a ramification to that, especially when you have a true up process. Well, and the legal firm that we work with who knows these worlds pretty well, they've said that once the people get after the emo get 
through the emotional argument when they're yelling at their vendor saying no way, right? Once that they get through that because the vendor is playing bad guy, you know, Mm -hmm. they've got a good guy, bad guy thing. But once that they get through that, it, it comes down to pure facts. What did someone have access to and when? Yep. Is what it always comes down to. So, you know, we see this with like, okay, so how could this technology be applied to areas like Cisco, right? So mm-hmm. Cisco, if we talk about Cisco ASA, there's the ability to have an active directory group that points into a particular role within Cisco and then that grants certain capabilities within and features within their tool. So Security 4X could be used to manage that type of like VPN access. We use it at our firm for that very purpose. Same thing with tools like Cognos and you name it, Citrix, Citrix, whatever, could be applied to any of these. Yeah, and if you do Active Directory-based licensing for uh, Microsoft 365, you're, you're handling that too, right? Well, that's that's right. Now, you know, there's a whole nother discussion. We could have a whole separate discussion around the Azure cloud, you know, Azure directory and so on, uh, because there are some interesting areas that there there is a definite need for companies to continue on with Active Directory because of what it provides in terms of an extensible schema the ability to hook up to apps and so on, which yep. isn't really handled on the Azure side as much because that's more cloud enablement in terms of yeah. what people can do. And and the security structures are different and so on. But that's a whole nother area for a, probably a, a another show. Another show, right? <laughs> so so you we got it on tape. You just agreed to come back on another show. Oh, thanks. All right. <laughs> now the resident expert. <laughs> so uh we, we've covered a lot so far. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna bring up about the tool? Is there any uh fine points you wanna bring home uh to try to get our arms around it? I know that uh I'll put in the show notes. Uh, some information, but also please, if you have, if you want to see more or know more, I- interact with us online, you know, uh, this will make its way to video and on LinkedIn uh, as well. So just please interact if you want to, you know, talk to someone about this. Um, I, again, going back to the top of the hour, I thought it was just important to have a technical conversation, how this tool helps solve business needs. And it doesn't, it's not niche one thing, it's multiple areas that it helps solve. Right. Well, I think, Michael, I'll just boil it down. I like to boil things down to threes. I think if I'm playing piano, I'm always fixing three notes that, you know, I can't (laughs) get quite right, you know, that sort of thing. So let's just break it down to features and benefits. So I'll give you three points on each, okay? From a feature standpoint, what this is about is first being able to manage global hybrid environments, medium and larger companies. Second, being able to streamline that day-to-day ongoing change management process. How? Through the idea of policies that we talked about and through the ability to delegate out to the business. Really important, saves a lot of time and a lot of resource. And then this notion of continuous compliance is is another really big feature of this software because it is a headache for people to deal with compliance. But if you're doing it in a spreadsheet, you're doing it wrong. Look no I'll more. <laughs> this this will really solve that problem across a series of domains. So those are the big features. I'd say that I call that the big three. The big three of the benefits is that you end up having a central control point. You end up freeing up skilled IT resources. Your ROI is going to be very high overall in terms of what a tool like this can bring to an organization. 
I would say that we want to be freeing up people at the top end of the food chain who have such a, a strategic impact if you could. And those are, are the big things as I talk to people around the world and I say, well, why would you want something like this? Why? And there's the what question that the features tell us. Well, what does it do? But why do you really want it? Because it will help you with issues like Michael talked about, mass change. I'm restructuring my organization. I need a way to plan and test this. And the IT people shouldn't have to run around with their hair on fire for a lack of tools, right? And we want to free people up. We want to, we want to use a tool that has a high ROI. And these, it, this S4X will help to achieve those benefits in an organization. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. So, you know, I got to give a a couple housekeeping things. So again, as we say for everyone, every episode, um, you know, we, you know, give these information uh, out and use this for, you know, capturing ideas and concepts. If you want to implement anything we talk about today, talk to a security professional, talk to an active directory professional, talk to a professional, reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever you find us. Um, because, you know, things like especially around directory services are that critical. We just don't want you going out there and all of a sudden wrenching away on it. So yeah. uh, we want to make sure that you understand that you should, you know, really look at what you're doing and plan it out and talk to a pro uh, if you don't have that capability in-house. And, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely seek advice. Um, I've seen so many blown up AD environments. I got to put that big bullet point on there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, again, as always, um, Solutions for Networks helps sponsor and make this show possible. So thank Solutions for Networks and the team there uh, for for helping enable me to help keep these shows going and getting the messaging out and and getting people like Paul and Chris uh, last week and Chris Bomba internally getting the whole group of people to help spread messaging around best practices and how to have a good set of tools and products out there. So thanks to Solutions for Networks for that. Um, With that, any final goodbyes or words, Paul? Well, I just uh, would would like to recommend to people that if you're struggling with these types of issues, go do your homework. They're, they're complicated. They, they are strategic to what you're trying to accomplish as an organization. And to the extent that uh, Michael and I can be helpful to you, we, we certainly would welcome having conversations around how to overcome some of the pain points and what you need to solve for. I think if this session did anything for people, is it gives you a feeling of, okay, if my last 30 years were this way and the future could be that, what are the things that I need to solve for from a tech perspective to get there? I think this gives you some of that information so you can start to mull on it a little bit, stew on it. So I'm happy to be a vehicle with Michael in order to be able to uh, provide that to you. And I'll give you one other factoid, Michael, last thing about me before we sign off. Okay. I ran, I worked for Microsoft back in 1992 during the the introduction of Windows NT. We did a a Windows NT roadshow in Philadelphia and out to Pittsburgh. And I was responsible for training like hundreds and hundreds of people back then. I might have been in the room with you and not even known it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. And Bill Gates uh, at that time said to the sales team, if you can break through a billion dollars in revenue, 
I'll take you to Hawaii. So I went to Hawaii with Microsoft nice. when they broke through $1 billion. Now, what are they, 180, 190 right now? Yeah, it's not what it, they are. It's now. absolutely sick. <laughs> yeah. But they, they have achieved their objective. It's been a great career to be involved in the tech industry over these many years. I'm just, uh, and again, delighted to have this moment to share with you, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, again, I'm going to hold you to being on the next one. <laughs> All right, deal. I'm with All you. Right. Again, thank you as listeners and viewers. We appreciate you and we will see you on the next go around. Have a good day, everyone. See you guys. Bye-bye.